Hey guys, good to see you all. Um, yep, so if you're new to Rev, I'm Steph, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to spend the next little while uh, teaching on the Bible, just going through a passage in the Bible. Um, before we turn to that, question. Have any of you ever been in one of those situations? How many here enjoy watching sport of some kind? All right. Those of you who don't, just kind of, you know, do, just, I don't know how to, take this illustration and transfer it to something you like, all right? So I'll be all day thinking of trying to make everyone happy. But you're watching a sport, but you don't quite understand that particular sport. Anyone been in that situation before? That was a resounding yes. Um, it happened to me a couple of months ago. I went to James Slater's uh, to join with James and Tom Avery was there to watch a rugby match, which was important, the match, and, and I cared about it. But I didn't care about it as much as them. <laughs> One of the reasons why is I didn't get it. They kept saying things and agreeing with each other. I don't really have no idea what you're talking about. I know you can't throw it forward. Uh, I know you can't tackle above the waist, above the neck, high. I know you can't tackle high. Um, I know what the aim is, score a try, got to touch, we'll touch the other side and then the, uh, the conversion. I know that, but there's a lot more to rugby than that. And I was, every now and then I thought, this is nice, nice to be with the guys, but I need to know, I need, to, I need deeper understanding for my passion to rise. There it is. There it is. Your level of understanding of something will impact your level of passion about it. That's not the only thing that plays into it, but it's a significant part of it. If you understand the rules, you understand the nuances, you understand the, 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 the little dynamics that are going on, then suddenly you're drawn much more in and you think, oh, I get what's actually going on here. Um, uh, we're starting a series on the church. And our hope is, is that our deepening of under, our, our understanding of church will deepen and be enriched through this series. And as a result, our passion for the church will grow. Just to clarify before we go any further, by the church, I don't mean a building. Um, that is commonly how the word church is used in our, in our part of the world. The, the word church is a Greek word called ecclesia, and it basically means a people that have been called out and gathered together. That's what the word church means originally. It's a people that have been called out of something and, into, into, and, and have been gathered together as a people. That's what the word church means. So when we use the word church, that's what we're talking about. That's why it's okay. We're peaceful and happy meeting at the London Irish Centre as church. Because our understanding of church is that it's not a building, but a people. Now, for some of you, that's probably, you've heard that 101 times. For others of you, you might be sitting there going... Oh, okay, I get it now. Um, even that might help you become more passionate about the church. But here's the thing, you see, God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit are incredibly passionate about the church. And yet my hunch is, is for a lot of Christians, it's something they know they ought to be passionate about, but struggle to be passionate or maybe struggle to be passionate for the, for the long game. Maybe have bursts and moments and so we're really hoping that the Lord will use this series where we're going to look at different ways the Bible talks about and describes the church, different images, and unpack them. And I think you'll see a lot more in them than perhaps you thought uh, you might have done. 
Um, God, God, God does not want a people that are simply doing things because they think they ought to. It's not deep enough. Um, it won't keep you in the game long enough. Other things will get your attention and your passion if you're just doing church because you ought to. Something has to happen inside where you go, I get it now. Wow, okay. I understand now where it fits in the purposes of God. I understand what the church means for this world that we live in. I understand. I mean, you've got to know these things. You've got to, the, thing, the huge things are happening always in the world, but I guess we're always more aware of the things that happen, you know, when, when we're around, they're the things that are right in front of us. So even a few weeks ago, I found myself on Waterloo Bridge at the same time as Extinction Rebellion. I just found myself there, purely coincidentally. I thought, wow, those drums sound amazing. And I went onto the bridge and found myself in this incredible atmosphere of uh, kind of celebration, but seriousness and all of that. And you all would have followed on, on the news for the week or so after what's going on there. If you don't understand the church, you will not know what to make of things like that. They are, they are, they are completely linked together, our understanding of things, issues of the environment and issues to do with the church, for example. The last thing you want to do is create an understanding of a church that is kind of exists in a bubble over there and doesn't really have any real bearing onto anything else that goes on the rest of the time. It's just inaccurate, uh, unattractive, irrelevant. The church is God's plan for the salvation of the world through Jesus Christ. It's massive. Absolutely massive. And it's worthy of our attention over these next couple of months. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 13, where we're going to look particularly today at the church as the body of Christ. The church as the body of Christ. That's one of the images that comes through in the Bible. Help us to understand that. If, you're, if you've been around for a while, please don't switch off. Please don't assume you know it. Um, my aim is to say some things that will have an impact no matter how long or short you've been around Christianity and the church. Let's read together. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, the word there in Greek is for men and women, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We'll keep it there for now. I just want to just say a couple of things. This is the introduction. Um, a couple of things on this so we get the context right. When you're reading the Bible, you've got to understand the context or you just pull things out and make them say what you want them to say. Not clever. So first, this Romans chapter 12 comes at the end of Romans chapter 11. Very important point. The, the chapters 1 to 11 have been Paul painting this most spectacular picture of the gospel. He's painted a picture of what a mess we are in without God, how depraved we are, the things we get into when left to our own devices, Jew and Gentile, all, all people. And then he's brought in the wonderful, glorious Jesus Christ and shown him as, our, as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's way of reconciling the world back to himself through his one and only son given to die in our place, to pay our debt and to die our death. And he goes on to talk about the way that we come into this relationship with God through Jesus Christ, which is through faith. Not through works of the law, not through trying to do things to make ourselves good enough, not through trying to amass knowledge and live the right way. That in, as we do those things, we always end up failing, that God has seen that. Do you think that if those ways worked, God would have had to give his one and only son? Of course not. That God has given Jesus. 
who was made a way for us, who has lived the kind of life we all think, oh, I'd love to live that life, a life of purity, a life where everything you do on the outside and everything you say is perfectly reconciled with what's going on on the inside, a life of courage and compassion, a life of impact, helping those in the most need, the kind of life you'll go, oh, well, he lived it. He didn't just live it, he lived it on our behalf. He lived it so that, so that he could be, go to the cross for us as a perfect sacrifice and die in our place. And so that the righteousness that he carries by his perfect life can be given to us as a gift as we trust in him. And the terrible debt that we all owe by the things we do and say wrong, he bore in his own body on the tree. The Bible says he rose from the dead as a powerful declaration that he is, was and always will be the son of God. It's the gospel. And you go, wow, God's made a way when there wasn't a way. This is, this is the message. The message isn't try harder. The message isn't fast three times a year. The message isn't do this, do that. The message is God has done it. It's a completely unique message. It's not a message of cheap grace. Oh yeah, God forgives you because he's like that. No, no, no. God finds it incredibly hard to forgive because he's perfectly righteous and just and he hates darkness. God has gone to such lengths to win us back through his son that it, it saves the people who look completely different from anyone else. Romans 12. By the mercies of God, in view of God's mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Now, an hour or two on a Sunday is great, but that's not a very clever way of trying to sum up what worship looks like. This is worship. All that you are, you present to him. That You don't have a mode when you're in meetings, a certain mode. Don't become a different kind of person. No, 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 that you give yourself to him in wild abandon. It's, it's, I was going to say it's risky. It's not risky. It's the safest thing you can do. But there's that element internally where it feels risky. You throw yourself on him. You, 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 you trust that his plan is the right plan. You trust that when he says, when he talks about ways of living that just leads to futility and death and darkness, when he says they're wrong, that you say, I'm going to avoid those things then, Lord, and trust you. It's this mighty, dynamic trust in God. That, that's, that's, that's the worship. It's where you say, in view of all you've done for me, I trust you. Wow. Don't be conformed to this age. Don't be like everyone else. If you're here and you're a believer, get over it. You're not, gonna, you're not to be like everyone else. Fitting in is not what you're called to do. Okay? You're called to love and serve and shine your light. Absolutely. You're called to treat people with love and respect and you're called to serve. Yes, you're not called to fit in. You're not. Holy people means the opposite of fitting in. Set apart, different, completely different. This is it. This is what we see here. This is the word of God. This is what the Bible says. This is, this is what God says. You might say, well, I feel like God's saying something different in my heart. I need to let you know with all grace and all gentleness that, that God has spoken. And he is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so if there's a different voice in your heart. It's not the voice of God. This is the word of God. This is so we're not to be, and we're not to just not to just not conform in our behaviour, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our whole outlook is just completely radically different. Life is not about getting all I can out of it for me in the however many years I've got. My life is not driven by bucket lists and things. You know, it's not driven by it's not driven by what what can I 
amass what experience, what food can I try? None of those things are inherently wrong, but it's not driven by that. It's not driven by that at all. I'm, I'm not supreme. It's not driven by worshipping created things. It's driven by him. I, I'm just, I've seen something. I've seen the reason I was made. We've seen something. We go, wow, everything's different now. It changes everything. Change, I haven't got to be, be harried in that way on the inside, trying to, I, I can be peaceful. My life's in his hands. My times are in his hands. It's very radical. And then we get verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. And that's a bit of a strange verse. You think, Paul, why is it a bit confrontational? Why have you come in with that? Why, have you said, why would you go from what we've just looked at to that? Why would you do that? Well, the next verses show us how. Verse 4 onwards. For as in one body we have many members, i.e., I've got one body and it's got many members. Okay, that's what he's getting at. The members don't all have the same function. So we, though many, the church, though many, are one body in Christ. And individually, we're members of one another. Okay, so like my finger is a, is a member of my shoulder, connected to part of the same body, but it's individual, different function. That's the idea, that's the teaching. Uh, in verse 6, please. Thank you. Uh, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Wow, what a life. It's a high bar. <laughs> Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. It's a high, high bar. Now, so we've looked, so you've got verse, why is verse 3, don't think of yourself more highly than you are. What's Paul getting at there? It becomes clear in the, in the next few verses. Paul is saying, don't think you've got this whole Christian thing sewn up in and of yourself. Don't fall into that mentality of, I don't need other people. It's absolutely huge. It's absolutely core to the faith. We must not be deceived on that. Don't think you've got it all sewn up and therefore go it alone. Don't go it alone and therefore think you've got it all sewn up. See, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be really honest now. Sometimes I find myself having thoughts about myself, which if God decided to, which he could do, to just press pause or or to just record it and then decide instead of showing the words on a Sunday morning to sort of show you a little video instead of my thoughts, I would die. I would die. Delusions of grandeur, I think it's called. It's funny that when I'm alone, this strange ability to see myself in bizarre lights grows. I don't know how I got there. You know, you start there, the brain can move at a very fast pace. 0.2 seconds later, I'm somewhere you wouldn't believe where I've got. And it all feels very reasonable. Yeah, well, this, yeah, this is... What is the cure for that? To go home. To go indoors where there are other humans. <laughs> to go to church where there are other humans. Uh, because humans get in the way of all of my dreams about myself. <laughs> humans mess them up all the time. Hate humans. 
But do you, do you know, it's like, oh, that's not me. Okay, it's really healthy. It's not, it's not that being around other people makes me feel terrible about myself at all, but it's, it brings me to a place where I'm sober. It's a good word, that. Sober. And being around others does that. So Paul's saying, don't have these delusions of grandeur. Listen, you're, 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 not, you're not the whole thing. You're a member of the body. You're not the whole, you're a member. So you've got something to bring. It's vital. It's really important. Even if you think there's not, there's not much, you know, it really matters. You've got to be in, you want to be in good shape because it really matters. Has anyone ever, ever had a, a tiny splinter, an invisible splinter, and it ruins your whole day? Tiny, a little bit of glass or something. And you go, oh, no, it's in there somewhere. Can't feed it, can't eat it. The, the tongue, you know, there's a little bit of advice here. Glass splinters, tongue is the way. Unless you get stuck in your tongue, it's that's bad. But so you go, can't feel it. And you say, it's fine, it's gone. And you touch something, you go, ah! And it's, you can't even see it, it's tiny, but it's not right. It affects the whole body. Or a toe. You stub your toe and your whole being is in torment. <laughs> Very small. See, the, the, the image is used because it's profound. It's very deep. It's really, and we can be fooled into this idea that we're an island, that well, it's just me and I'll do this. And, but it's not true. Everything that you do has impact on others. If you are a Christian, you are part of the body of Christ. You, you, that matters. That is, that's massively important. And, and it, it, I've never met a healthy Christian who is not part of a healthy church. I've never, I've never met a healthy Christian who's been isolated from Christian meaningful, proper fellowship for years. You grow, when you're like that, you grow in a strange shape. You get fixated on bizarre things. No, you've had no one around you to just knock the edges off and give you a sober view. You, get the, you, get, you, go, you grow strange. I, I'm sorry if this is coming across as rude. I'm just being honest. This, this is just the truth. Now, when the Bible says that the church is the body of Christ, it means it in two ways. Number one, it means it kind of universally, cosmically. You've got Christ, the head, and then his body, the church. The church, past, present, future. The church across the world is the body of Christ. Okay, that is true. You'll find that sort of emphasis in the book of Ephesians. But that can lead us down the wrong road. We think, oh, okay, fine. If that, in that case, if, if the church universal, the church historical, the church cosmic is the body of Christ, then, then what are we as Revelation Church? Maybe we're a shoulder, you know, or, or, or maybe we're a nose. You know, what, 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 where do we fit? Okay. The Bible also teaches that each local church should be a microcosm of the body of Christ. So there's this one truth which you see emphasised in books like Ephesians. Then when you get to books like 1 Corinthians, you see that the illustration is used differently. Same illustration, but it's used slightly differently whereby each local church is a microcosm of the body of Christ. And now, another thing you need to know is this. On all the passages, the main ones about the body of Christ in the Bible is to do with gifting. Three main passages, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12... They're the three main passages that really teach in a big way that the church is the body of Christ and it's all about gifts. So, here's some conclusions. Each local church should have a breadth of gifts among it. Because each local church is not called to be a shoulder or a nose or an eye. You can't say all we do here is prophesy. Or all we do here is 
raise lots of money. No, 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 that is not healthy, that's not mature. All of the breadth of gifts, and his, so we went through a list of gifts um, earlier in the, in the passages, other gifts that you'll see throughout scripture, teaching, evangelism, pastoring, administration, miracles, wisdom, knowledge, tongues, interpretation. There's, there's a whole load of others as well. You're looking for all of those to be displayed in the local church because that church is to be a microcosm of the body of Christ. Does that make sense? And it also means this, this is the other lesson we're going to draw from this illustration, is that if you have not found a place where you can uh, fruitfully function in your gifts in a local church, you will feel somehow out of it. And it's a tragedy how many people you talk to sometimes in church say, I'm not sure I can really fully be myself here. And yet the whole point is is that God has set up the body in each individual local church in such a way so that he brings in diversity, which together creates unity. So like in a human body, there's diversity, finger, elbow, head and all the rest of it. But look, look at the way it works together in this unity. I could do some incredible dancing now if you wanted me to. I'm not going to, but I could do some amazing dancing. You'd be amazed at it. And you'd say, well, look at the elegance and the beauty of that. We don't have time, but... I oper- you know, but each of us operates as a unity. There's a u- and so this is why in church life, when again the emphasis comes through, it's unity and diversity. It's unity, it's not uniformity. But it's togetherness, honouring one another's differences, making space for one another uh, and, 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 and not just trying to make everyone like ourselves in terms of our gifting. We're constantly looking to make space and make room for other gifts. That's Because that, we're one, so the heart is for unity, but we're really honouring diversity, not divergence. Divergence is when you move off in different directions. No, no, we're, we're the body of Christ, but we're really honouring the diversity among us. We've all got something different to bring through our gifts. That's, that's healthy church. Now, no church is perfect, but some churches are healthy. And it's really important that you find your place in a healthy church. That you don't fall into that mentality of, you meet people. I say, what church are you part of? I say, I'm part of the worldwide body of Christ. It's like, I'm really glad to hear that. It's brilliant. But what church are you part of? Okay? Because you need both. Biblical. Yes, you're part of the worldwide body of Christ. But, but where are you connected where are you being matured? Where are you using your gifts? Where, where is that happening? It's, abs- it's, it's, it's completely central. The, the Bible doesn't know a different kind of Christianity. The Bible doesn't know an alternative option. It's ever so important. We're not talking about a hierarchical structure here in terms of church. We're talking about an, org- an organism that, that is ordered. Of course, it has to be ordered. Imagine if you, you know, different uh, bits just appeared in random places. There'd be no... Movement, no, no unity, no elegance. It would be it's a, quite a sort of a horrible thought. No, no, there's order, but it's an organism. It's not fundamentally an organisation. I am not a hierarchical organisation. I'm a body. But it's ordered. And that's what the church should look like. It's, it's an organism. It's not, it's not about oh, who's in charge and how does this work. No, there's an order, but it's an organism. It's the body of Christ. Each church should be made up of diverse gifting. Each church should have pe- people say, I found my place. This is where I function. So let's, I want to just spend a little bit of time thinking practically about this and then we can have a bit of a chance to, to respond um, together. God's calling on people's lives 
varies. Okay? God calls us into Christ and then from that place he, he has different things for us. Agreed? Some people are called to give themselves full time to di- directly to church activities. Other people are not. They're called to perhaps give lots and lots of time to very demanding careers. That's God's calling for their life. Neither is more spiritual than the other. Okay? And you have everything in between. Okay? So we're not, again, this is, we're not going for some sort of uniform idea. But the point is, is that everyone is a part of a body. They don't just attend somewhere on a Sunday. They're part of a body where they are invested, where they're in relationship with people, where, where they are able to grow and use their gifts. That's, that's the plan and the purpose of God. Uh, so again, you're, looking, you're, not, you're not expecting everything of the same, everything, every, the same thing from every person. Like, well, you know, this person can give this much time to church stuff. Why can't you? That's not, the, that's not mature conversations. You've got to, that's, not how you, that's not how you help each other. You try and help each other work out, okay, what, what has God put in you? What's he put in your heart? What's he called you to do? How are you going to work that out? But always you've got to be asking, even to those who are real high flyers, Travel all around the world with work and those kinds of people. Those people need to be in a church. Those people are vulnerable and probably more vulnerable than average if not. Because they're probably around a lot of money and a lot of opportunity. And if they're not in a spiritual community, they're highly vulnerable. So we've got to work these things out meaningfully and not just... T- God rescue us from box ticking. The lo- oh, if we, if we understand we are the body of Christ, I am a member of the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is going to express who he is through us. The world will only see Jesus when the, when the church is operating like the body. The world will see Jesus when, the, when, when Christians are connected to local churches and using their gifts in a way that is natural to who God has made them. Otherwise, if everyone's in the wrong place, playing the wrong role, they're going to see this kind of clunky kind of image, someone walking around, you know, I don't know, like the, you know, the guy men in black, you know, with the insects inside of him, you know, like just kind of like, what, the, what is that? Do you know what? The, church, the world will look at the church and they'll say, what is that? And that's how they get their view of Jesus when they look at the church. Whereas if they see something moving with harmony, with dignity, with beauty, with courage, with compassion, tr- grace and truth of Christ coming together with, 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 with love, with passion, they will see something and say, wow, that's the church. Maybe, maybe I want to find out more about Jesus. You see, it's ever so important. God never does things in isolation. God's purposes are all completely weaved together in utter wisdom. And so when God says that he wants the church to be be the body of Christ and it's put together in that way, it's going to serve everything about God's purposes. It's going to serve, it's going to be pleasing to the Father. It's going to be a wonderful fragrance. It's going to be encouraging to us in the church. We'll go, wow, we're really flowing. We're really flying. We're really finding, you know, places of fruitfulness. And and it will be a beautiful, stunning uh, a portrait to the world. And we'll draw people, people start to get the fragrance of Christ around the church, you see, when we find our place. So it's ever so important that we are understanding this. So, how do we do it practically? Number one, just say this there's loads of stuff that goes on unofficially in a church. In a healthy church, people are just doing hospitality, not because they have to or because it's GC night and it's mine on the road. People open their homes and are being generous and kind to each other. Okay, That's wonderful. The more that happens unofficially in a church, probably the healthier the church is. The more good stuff that just goes on. Wow, I was in need and some friends found out about it and they, they got behind me and blessed me financially. 
didn't come through the, you know, the, the central offering. And it was just a, just a blessing. You know? People got around me and said, can we pray for you? And they're going for a hard time and they brought prophetic words that really built me up. It's what I needed to hear. You see? It's just happening because we care about each other. Unofficial, unofficial, unofficial. The more, and I want to just commend you as a church. Us as elders here want to commend you. There's so much that goes on. Hidden, beautiful, life-giving acts of grace, mercy, faith and love. Well done. Like, well done. And it's not perfect and I'm sure you've all got one or two horror stories but so much good happens. Well, I've been honest. Yeah, if you're, always, if you're always looking for perfection, you'll get stuck, you'll never move on. But well done for all the good works that happen, all the good deeds. It's so, so important. But we still need rotors. Rotors still matter as well. Just to say, it's not unspiritual to, to serve officially. It's not less spiritual. Um, and we encourage everyone who's part of Rev to get involved serving. Um, we need gospel community leaders. We need people that are willing to lead communities that meet throughout the week in homes or in uh, coffee shops or function, pub function rooms. We, we're just looking for, we need more gospel community leaders. Is that a gift that you've got? Could you, what does it involve? Well, a bit of hospitality, really. We'll give you resources, we'll support you, but could you, could you do that? that? Let's not make it a bigger deal than it is. It's, it's massively important, but in terms of what it requires, a bit of time, we've all got loads of that. It's a joke. Willingness, availability, big-heartedness. Let's not make it something more complicated than it is. Sometimes I've just found if you just create a space for people to people that have the Holy Spirit and to meet together, things happen. It's good things happen. We need more gospel community leaders. On Sundays, we need we need um, we need more youth uh, workers, people to help us with our teenagers. I mean, working with teenagers is one of the most extraordinary privileges you could imagine. They're absolutely brilliant. They've not become boring yet, which is such a relief. Still say interesting things, you know. Uh, they say outrageous things. They're forming, they're forming their thoughts on what they think about God. What an honour. What a privilege to, for people. You know, if you want to pour into that, um, let us know. We'll, we'll find a way we'll, to, just to keep serving our youth. So we've got a great team, but we want to strengthen that. All of these things we've got great teams for, but we just wanted to strengthen them. Kids workers, if you want to work with kids, again, just, it's just such an honour. I, I, um, I helped to coach uh, some kids in a local boxing club in our area. And I was there on Thursday and I just turned to the, one of the other coaches and I said, what a shame they've got to grow up. They're so much fun. You know, the things they say to you, they just come up and they say the most random thing in the world. Think, I don't know how to answer. I don't, what are you thinking? Ready that? Just wonder, beautiful, just big eyes, wonder, wonder at the world still. We need kids' workers. Come and pour yourself into our kids. Um, Sunday's ops team. We call it an ops team now. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool name. It's a cooler name than set up. Um, and it involves more complex things than set up. But essentially, it's, just, it's people that are willing to sweat a bit before the service starts and afterwards in a spirit of Christ-like joy. It's what it is. And they're an absolute wonder. And... Um, Always looking to strengthen those teams. I mean, we're always, always looking for more. We're always looking for more musicians. Always looking for more people. If, if you've got gifts, don't. You heard the sermon last week. Don't hide them under, a, under, the, uh, under, the, under the bushel. What is a bushel? I don't know, but don't hide it under it. Uh, let, let, let your light shine. Um, a few more practicalities. What if you're new? 
I want to find my way in. This looks like a great church. It is a great church. I'm not surprised you want to find your way in. Go to Intro Rev. Eat lunch at Richard and Tanika's. Hear the story of the church and um, start taking steps to, to getting involved. Get involved on a Sunday team. There's no, there's, nothing, there's no better way to get to know people than, than doing something fun uh, with them. What if you're someone who is a bit bruised? You've, you, you've been in church. You've, maybe you poured yourself out in church and then it, uh, it went wrong. This... Um, this happens. This happens a lot. It's, it's a sad thing. It shouldn't do, but it does happen a lot. You find people that have given themselves to church and then the, um, the finances have been mismanaged or terrible things happen. And they go, what? I thought the church was God's plan. It is God's plan. But, but bad stuff does happen. Um, what I would say to you as a, one of the leaders at Rev is please just uh, stick around. Ask questions. Find out what we're about. Get to know us so that your trust can grow. Uh, no one's going to force you to do something against your conscience or just stick around and find out, ask helpful questions that will make you grow in confidence so that you can become connected again to a local church. It's ever so important. It really is for your own spiritual well-being and, uh, as much as for anything else. What about offended people? Some of you in the room, you're, just, you're actually in your spirit, you're offended with, with maybe this particular church, maybe another church. You're not, you're not playing ball anymore. You know what I mean? You're just not. Well, the, the Bible actually makes a lot of room for talking about situations like this because the Bible acknowledges that actually quite, quite a lot of difficult things happen in life. People get it wrong. People are insensitive. People mess things up. What do you do then? You retrace your steps and you, you, deal, you deal with it with the relevant people. There's no way to maturity by avoiding confrontation. There's no other route. You have to learn how to have the difficult conversations well. Um, and for some people that's a huge challenge. If you've, never, if you've been brought up in a, an environment that's utterly unconfrontational, it can seem like the the hardest thing in the world but God will give you grace to do it and he will give you the courage to do it but it's ever so important because taking offence in your spirit over what other people have done I would say that it is from a kind of a spiritual warfare perspective I would say it is one of the most common weapons used by the enemy it's, it's, it's the most common bait. I would, one of the most common baits is just trying to get you to take offence because once you take a bit of offence what happens is, is you withdraw and no one may notice for the first little while, but something's happened internally. It's always where it starts, and you disengage, and it's, it's not good. It's not, you've, 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 you've been suckered, okay? You've been suckered. You've taken the bait, and you've got to get yourself unhooked. Start working through reconciliation, healing, forgiveness. It's ever so important. It really, really is important. Please, this isn't, you know, this is like big. This is like spiritual principles, which, you know, no matter if you think different, they're still true, <laughs> okay? So please. Please engage with them. It's ever so important. Um, I'm going to end by saying something a little bit controversial. Because I haven't said anything controversial yet. No, so. uh, praying is not a spiritual gift. I know some people seem better at it than others. I, I, I know that. I get it. I get it. But you cannot argue from the Bible that praying is a spiritual gift. Can't argue that at all. In fact, the Bible is quite clear. It says we don't know how to pray as we ought. So it's basically saying, by the way, no, by the way none of you are gifted at prayer. 
by the way. Right, just saying, so you've put it on your list. No, you're not. Right, you don't know how to pray. Right? Which means the church prayer meetings are not for specialists. Okay? They're not for specialists because there aren't any. If they're for specialists, they'd be empty. Okay? But if we are not praying corporately and consistently as a church, and I know so much of that goes on in gospel communities and running partners, I get it, I, I, and just unofficially. So I'm, this, is, you know, this is not like a... I'm not saying we're a prayerless church. I think we're a very prayerful church. But we have a church prayer meeting every Tuesday morning between 7 and 8 a.m. I reckon with various constraints, shift work and the rest of it, I reckon we could probably get about, we're a church of about 200, we could probably get about 120 people there. Okay? We get about 10. Please come and pray with us. I don't want to lean on you and make you feel bad. I'm just saying, I'm not sure how far. <laughs> I just think, I just, I don't know. I know you well enough. You know me well enough. We know each other well enough to know we want to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth. And we all understand and we all get the fact that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spiritual forces of wicked and heavenly places. And that prayer is absolutely key to winning through there. And, and, and this is when we've called a church prayer meeting on a Tuesday. Please, if you can come, please come. Uh, please come, please come and pray. I don't know what else to do. I just keep saying it. Please come and pray. It matters that you're there. You might say, I don't know what to do in prayer. I just sit there silently. Are you praying silently? Yeah, fine. Come, carry on. Okay, it's fine. It's not performance. It's not. It's just. There's, we've, God's brought us a, a wonderful way. But the reality is, I think I think we're probably ankle deep at the moment. I think in terms of things of God, I think there's so much more. We could do. And no amount, no, no amount of strategizing and planning and programs is going to change that. I think prayer will change that. Prayer changes the atmosphere of a church. We, we've, just got to, we've just got to say, okay, I believe it, therefore I'm going to line up that with that. Some of you can't make it. Don't, this is not, I'm not hitting sticks. I'm just saying, if you can, please do. If you, can't, if you decide not to, I love you just as much. Okay, If you can, no, please do. Please come to the enough prayer meetings three times a year. Three times a year, bit of food followed by a few hours of prayer. It makes so much difference in the spirit. There's just so much that is just out of our hands. The salvation of our loved ones is out of our hands. The state of our nation is out of our hands. Outside of prayer. In prayer we reach things that we can't reach no matter what else we're doing. That's where you reach, that's where you touch it. That's where the church says, no, we don't allow that in the name of Jesus. And, and the cacophony of voice like a waterfall rises up and says, amen. That's, that's when we gather to pray. And, and, and what, 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 the last thing we ever want to do is get to the point where you say, you know, we'll close the prayer meeting. Because it's not really a church prayer meeting. And, and loads of churches are doing that. There's less and less meetings where people gather simply to pray why because it takes a lot of effort <laughs> it takes a lot of effort I never put in my diary for Monday nights decide whether or not to go to the prayer meeting in the morning <laughs> we all know what we would decide if you can join us please do please do not join us in terms of what anyone will think of you if you don't go don't no get rid of all get rid of all that deal with process it maturely but if, if, if the truth about prayer is resonating and you're saying, yeah, I could do it, please come. And then, and then just please keep coming. <laughs> please keep coming. Please come to enough. Pray. You know, there's a fine line between exhortation and nagging, and I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Might have crossed the line a little bit. I'm sorry. Stopped. Right. Um,
what I thought when I was preparing this, I thought, Lord, what's a good way to end this? What, 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 would, be, what would be just really, really helpful? I thought, nag them to death on prayer. No, I didn't. I thought, I thought to myself, I, I, I think what would be great would be literally, you've got to be really self-controlled now, okay? Just a few people in the room, you know who you are. Well, not because I've prepped you, but kind of you, you, you'll know who you are when I say it. Whereby God's just done a work in you around this thing of being connected to church and using your gifts. He's, you, he, he's just done something and it's really, it's, it's, you've seen what I've preached. You've gone, yeah, this has been my experience. I just want to share that, okay? I, I, just to hear a few different voices would be great. And, you know, sort of 30 seconds each max. So we don't, you know, we want to be able to, I don't know, what time is it? Have we done time? Okay, so we must, we've got to be quick, okay? But if you just know, yeah, I really just want to encourage the church personally from my own experience in this, please come and just do that now. And then we're going to, we're going to um, worship the Lord and um, praise together for the end. So I believe that there will be some people here. We'll see. Hey, is this one? Yay! Great. Thanks, Laura. Hi, everyone. Um, I have a real strong personal conviction that God has a friend or friends, like personal friends that you click with, that you can have fun with, that you can rest with, that you can pray with, that you can live and do life with for everyone. It's not just that, oh, people are different in this church. I don't really fit in. I don't really, mm. um, Steph was saying we don't fit in in the world, but we do fit in in the church. Mm. And if you feel like you don't fit in, you don't have friends um, or people that you just genuinely click with I don't think that is from God and I think um, I would like to pray for anyone who feels like that at the moment because I have experienced that and I've come out on the other end and my life feels totally massively different because of it and I believe it is a God thing uh, that we all have friends here thanks Laura brilliant great Um, I came from a church, there was a mega church, um, like 8,000, 10,000 people, and I just felt like um, the whole time, in, um, as a Christian, I just had to do what the program said. Um, they needed me here, so I had to do that. But since coming to Rev, I had people speaking to my life about my gifts um, for evangelism, for gathering people, and it's just unlocked something. And I think that just Wonderful. only happened in the body when other people are able to recognize the Brilliant. gifts in you as well. Excellent. Thanks, Delphine. That's brilliant. Great. Hi guys, um, my family history in my hometown, I think I've been to a lot of, pretty much all the churches there. It's a kind of a cycle of my family where we'd go, it'd be great, great enthusiasm, get offended, oh, we're not part of it, and then move on. And like, I think I just became aware of that, I didn't want to do that. And I just want an example of like, well I had to say no, I'm not going to be suckered by that. Um, when I went to Steph for some counsel, um, I didn't like what he said to me, and I didn't agree with him. <laughs> and I took it personally. Now, don't do this every single time Steph offends you. We won't do anything else in his life. But um, I went to Steph just really quick, and I was like, oh, do you know what? You know when you said that, to be honest with you, I was just in my heart, I was like, oh, you don't really get it. You're wrong. Like, well, I don't agree with that. And I said, you know what? I don't want to go down that route. I don't want to get into that bitterness and that hard-heartedness and let the enemy just, like, trick me with some stupid emotions and stuff. So he didn't even... I don't think he even knew, didn't even know what I was talking about. But, uh, you know, he did. But just... For me, in my heart, it was a big deal. So I just encourage you guys, if there's anyone in the room, um, particularly maybe leadership, where you felt, oh, they don't get it. They, they've got not my best interests, or they don't understand. Um, they love God. They're doing their best. They love you. And just go to them and say, do you know what? 
or just say to God, I don't want to go down that route. I'm not going to be suckered by that. Thanks, Tom. That's brilliant. Wonderful. Great stuff. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to respond uh, corporately together now. I'm going to uh, hand back.